Riding down the highway, going to a show. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Stopping all the byways, playing rock and roll, getting robbed, getting stoned, getting beat up, broken boned, getting had, getting took. I tell you, folks, it's harder than it looks. It's a long way to the top if you want a concrete show. It's a long way to the top if you want a concrete show. Gentlemen, that was amazing. <laughs> what was it on the phone? Nobody wanted to do it, and now you guys come in with a full band. I love it. I love it. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, hey. Manny. Thanks so much Thanks for, for coming us, in and, and, and taking a little bit of time in the Friday afternoon, I guess it is right now. Almost. Are yeah. we bailing off right away? You guys have a bunch of stuff still going on the rest of the day, though. Oh, I John's do. got a son playing uh, in a hockey tournament in London this weekend, so nice. we just met on the 401, came down here, and... Uh, Figured we'd fit this in. A little concrete expo stop and then hop in, carpool. Uh, we have a couple conference calls as well. Okay, cool. I mean, even, you know, the beauty of this is is I can stop at a hockey game and still take care of a few things on the side as well. So it's good. It'd be nicer if you just focus on the hockey game, no? Uh, talk to Stuart. He might tell you it's better. <laughs> I focus on the concrete than the hockey. <laughs> Gentlemen. <laughs> no. All right. So I got Stuart and John here from the Concrete Expo show. And we're going to have an interesting conversation about the show that's coming up for uh, February 14th and 15th, Yeah, 2024. Feb 14, 15, uh, 2024 at the International Center, as always, in Mississauga, Toronto, uh, right next to the airport. And it's been growing ever since it started, right? Yeah, I would say our first year we had... 35 to 40 exhibitors. Oh, I would bump that up a bit. I think your memory's fading. Wait, how far back I'm, I'm going to go 100. We, we, uh, first year, I think it was 2018. We started working on the show in 2016. That's where the idea came about. Um, yeah, I'd say we had about 100 exhibitors. We were on about 75,000 square feet in the first year. But the show, it definitely filled a void in the market. It did. Yeah, because everybody in Canada, all the suppliers, all the attendees, they were all going to the World of Concrete in yeah, Vegas. We're familiar with that. And, yeah. and that's fine. I mean, the World of Concrete's a fabulous show, and we're not here to compete against them by any means. But the problem was for the suppliers, if they, they had to exhibit at the World of Concrete, if they were only doing business in Canada, they had to go to Vegas, ship everything there, pay the international rates for um, exhibiting. And then they had to wait for every one in 12 people that came by that was a Canadian. So it was it cost effective for them? No. Um, and I realized that there's probably a void in the market where the suppliers to the concrete construction industry in Canada would probably want to have their own show. And that's where the whole idea came from. Am um, I fair to say, guys, that the conversation of about construction and specifically concrete is different when you go Canadian and you go U.S. I'm not you so know what I'm sure. Saying like that? Yeah, um, I, just I was find just the down at the NRMAC, which is the National Ready Mix Concrete Association. Yep. Yep. I was at their trade show this week in Nashville. Okay, and. The concrete producers seem to be similar. I mean, the, the, the conversation, it was all the same to me because I'm not pouring concrete. I don't know the intricacies. I think I'm going from the tradesperson's perspective, like the actual contractor's perspective. I think that their mindset on a Canadian project versus a U.S. project is slightly different. I'm not saying better or worse. There's, 
probably different rules and regulations. Yeah. Um, from the American side to the Canadian side. I, one specific one is uh, on a barrel mixer, for instance. Um, they have a front discharge, which is permitted in the United States, but not permitted in Canada. So the manufacturer um, can't sell that same product in Canada that he can. What's the reason why it's not allowed? Uh, just rules, regulations that they don't allow for a front discharge. So it means the concrete comes out the front of yeah. the barrel instead of the the back of the barrel. Yeah. Um, and so there's a big difference there. We've seen all those social media videos where someone's cutting off a truck and all of a sudden all the concrete just pours right over the car. I haven't seen that. Oh, you haven't seen any of those? <laughs> okay. they're, en they're entertaining. <laughs> sure. So but I'm like, that's got to be American. I was talking to uh, Terex, the builder of this uh, um, front discharger, just this week, and they said they could bring it up here, but the, to spec it and change it would just be far too expensive for Got what it. it's worth. So to meet the regulations of Ontario and the rest of Canada, um, it's just not worth their while. So I'd love to share. So 2018, 75,000 square feet, about 100 exhibitors. But coming into 2024, what are we at now? We're almost 500. Well, we're not quite that. I think that would be 2027. Okay. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. Maybe 2026. I would, fair to say, between 350 and 400. Okay. I think the biggest thing for me, if I can back up a little yeah. bit and talk a little bit about launching this show is... Um, Stuart and I were friends long before I worked with Stuart on this project. Um, and I wasn't from this industry. So when you asked me a few questions about what's the difference between this and that, um, it's been a big learning curve on my part. I come from the automotive industry. I did sales. I started as a toolmaker in 1989. Stuart and I met in the gym probably 20 years ago on a fluke. Just seen him at the gym every morning. And he presented this idea in 2017 to me. I was going through a transition in my life. And I didn't see the same vision he's seen at that time. But I did some research and started to look into it. And it really didn't interest me at the time. And I always say he's lucky he found when some very ignorant when it comes to this. Because I think if I knew what the industry and everything entailed, I don't know if I would have taken it on. I agree. It's because we've really prided ourselves as a team all of us, to learn about the industry, not just produce a trade show. We want to know about our exhibitors. We want to know what they do, what's involved. Um, and we've done that. I know the difference between cement and concrete today. Mm. Five years ago, I didn't know what that <laughs> is. If you're in Boston, it's cement. The cement. <laughs> and then everybody laughs at that, but that's the truth. Or, you know, ready mix. I didn't know what that, I don't know how many trips I made to Stewart's office in the early years going... Stuart, are they a ready mix producer? Or, uh, do they, what is it? Is it precast? I don't know, Stuart. And then we'd get online and we'd have to Google it, him and I. You know, this base, this, this. Oh, yeah. The first year we were putting it together, John and I would work in the office and we would go back and forth. All right, I'm calling this guy. Is he going to be an exhibitor or an attendee? And we'd have to think about it and go, okay, no, he, he's a potential exhibitor. Yeah. And it was, um, it was kind of learning as. We laughed about it, and yeah. we laugh about it hard today totally. because it was the blind leading the blind, and neither one of us really knew the industry. We have, we have a fairly good grasp on it today just by working with it for the last six or seven years, but that initial year, it was, it was mayhem, and sometimes ignorant is bliss. 
right? Because we didn't know the politics of the industry. We didn't know who was connected with who. We just got our database and we started calling. And sometimes that works out better than having hesitation about calling this person or company because you know, they don't like this company or they have issues. We didn't know any of that. We didn't know any but of that. To your with point, that ignorance actually, I, I think it built the show. Like I it, would say for sure. Yeah. You look at successful businesses and how they're put together. And this one was really one of those flukes, how it came together because Stuart is, I always call him the rock star. He, we can walk into a room and we look around and he can vision how it's going to look from a setup, chairs, tables, how this is going to look. I don't see that piece of it. So he's really good at that. But on the sales side of it, I just assume he stay on his side of the wall and I stay on mine when it comes to the sales. And it, it's one of those things where a successful business, not everybody's the same. Because if everybody's the same, there's no success. You know, in Colby, who is our marketing relations manager, and Sue, who's show coordinator, they all bring very key elements that are everybody's different and helps. Don't forget about Rod, too. And Rod Mahler. Rod, uh, Rod, Rod does yes. all of our marketing, yes. and uh, he deals with all the associations, which is a very difficult job uh, in dealing with all 40 associations that we now There's have on board. There yeah. are a lot. The first year... John and I would sit in the office. He would call the exhibitors. I would call the associations. We got nowhere with the associations. We were this small company from Bell River, Ontario. Nobody had heard of us before. And we would get an association to come on board with us. And then a week later, we'd get a call back and they would say, oh, sorry, um, we, we can't support the show this year. So, we understand that behind the scenes there was things happening and did they give you even more reasoning why they couldn't support it or it just they didn't want to be associated with something that was brand new i think it was jumping on board with something that was brand new and it would be a failure and their uh, name was probably attached to it and there's no association that really wanted to take that risk we did have a few in the first year, but, but we did not have the major players that we have today. So I think most of the association directors or board members came out to the show in the first year, and they were impressed with what was going on. For it was impressive. Run, right? For a first run, it was very well attended. So therefore, we knew that we hit the mark on we filled a void in the market, okay? Because... We had large equipment demos. We had live pours going on. Lafarge sponsor. They they got behind us large those. in I that remember first them year. Up in the back there. Yeah, 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 totally. And they were very well attended. And there was different things happening that people had not seen in certainly concrete construction industry before in Canada, because there is not another show that has you know that's committed to concrete and has equipment and has demos. Um, I know there's another show in Toronto that they have a concrete component to it, but but they don't have the equipment and it's uh, no, more 10 by 10. That's tens. important because you need yeah. to, that's, that's part of the cog. And I think some of those early supporters that eventually came on in 2019 and 2020 have said to us privately, please keep it focused oh. on the concrete. Building a little bit of what Stuart just said, some other shows, they get hungry and they are looking at the dollar signs and, oh, we can grow it here and we can grow it there. And it becomes watered down. Yep. And you lose your focused attendee. Um, it's important. That's probably one of the 
uh, most satisfying things listening to an attendee say when I came to your show what they seen at our show. They weren't seeing a shoe salesman or this or that. It was very focused to the industry. How was the attendee back then compared to the attendee from last year? The attendee as in numbers or no, the no, just the, the individual in itself, the tradesperson who's coming by that's taking a look at the show and taking a look at. I guess they're they're most we part- are starting to get more operators coming to the show, equipment operators, uh, frontline or um, you know union workers coming to the show. But initially, they did not attend the show. We had very few. It was mainly management, CEOs, presidents, um, everybody was kind of interested to see if there was a possibility here of attending a local, call it local in Canada, being Toronto, um, show where they could, you know, everybody in the show, which is different from World of Concrete, not everybody can do business in Canada. So at the show in Toronto that we do, everybody can do business in in Canada. And that's a key component. Um, And I think, so we continue to get a lot of management, a lot of ownership, VPs, GMs, project managers, et cetera, but we're getting more of the uh, frontline workers coming out and they're influencing equipment decisions, et cetera. So we welcome them and... uh, we get strong support from uh, our unions as well. Am I right to say that uh, the small business owners, the small concrete companies are also attending? They're seeing the potential here because they want to grow, so they want to see what's ahead? For sure. I, I wanted to build, you know, uh, briefly to what Stuart was just talking about, um, how we evolve with the show as well. I'm getting cut off here, am I? No, no, you're just sliding. I'm, it happens during the show. That's okay. Sometimes we start to slide, right? No, you know, you grow the show with uh, what you see happening. And to build on that, you know, Stuart's talking about we're getting the operator. So for 2024, we actually are having a recertification program for telehandlers and high mass nice. lift. Um, because we're starting to see more and more operators on that side of the business when it comes to telehandlers. And we have a number of telehandler manufacturers that are exhibiting at our show. So now at a conference, we're going to offer reschedule or recertification. So now a company can send their employee to come and get recertified and also see the latest and greatest equipment that's on the show floor. So I'd love to hear about some of the speakers that you guys are planning on for the next year well that's rod's department rod puts together our whole conference program okay and he is just in the process of working what we do we go to all of our experts which are our associations and we ask them to come up with timely and topical sessions that would be interesting to people educational and hopefully well attended and so we probably have 20 different associations that will come up with one or two topics that they believe is relevant for their association and and their members and we end up with about 33 conference sessions over the two days and all of them stay within 50 minutes um including q a and uh it's the, the model has worked for us we don't go through a process where we ask for papers eight months in advance like many other shows. We rely on the expertise of our association um, 
sponsors. And but then you're also looking at the feedback from attendees that are coming and trying to figure out what you guys want to do and what you can provide. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And we, we think, um, so we're growing our conference component of the show because I think for people to come in from Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Alberta, BC, they need to see more than just equipment, product, service on the floor. They want to be educated as well. So we're trying to kind of kill two birds with one stone where they can get the education and the, um, you know, product information and, and talk to people face to face. You know, and talking about the associations and Stuart and I were talking about this on the way up here is to build on what he was saying about us having to approach associations. Now we're being approached. Now they're coming to us saying, how can we be involved in your event? You know you're starting to get proper um, recognition in the industry when the associations are coming to you. And when we talk about associations, just so the people understand, it's there's is there seven uh, concrete associations across? Yeah, concrete Ontario, Baton, Quebec, uh, Atlantic Concrete Association, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and uh, Concrete BC. They're all on board with us as co-sponsors. We are members of each of those associations. We support them as much as we can by attending golf tournaments, giving out the um, swag. You know, swag at yeah. the tournaments. We don't uh, just sponsor. We actually stand on a hole and meet and greet everybody and give them uh, you know, some swag ourselves. And usually some cash. And too, really, Steve. oh, yeah, we ran a chipping contest at all of running, giving away six and $800 cash at all these tournaments. And it really, people come up to the tee and they're like, oh, you got a chipping contest? We go, yeah, but the winner's going to get, the winning team will get 800 bucks cash at dinner. And they... They perk, they perk up. up. Pretty, they yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Usually it's so. how much does it cost me to go in this? And I'll tell them, you know, nothing. And, and then they become part of it. But that's all part of this building process is um, we're not just a logo. Yeah. You know? we, we definitely, and John and I would probably do the lion's share work of all these uh, tournaments. This year he went, he just got back from Moncton for the Atlantic Concrete Tournament. But I had to go to Nashville <laughs> and have he a just, drink he just, and have a drink right but, but I, to, to build on that too is when i was in new brunswick or in moncton it was very encouraging i told Stuart like people were coming up they were excited to see our signs i was at your show last year or i was at your show two years ago you guys are doing a great job keep it going it's so awesome to have something in canada like this you're building a family Right. Yeah, and we're trying to make it, um, you know, inclusive for everybody in the country. I know there are provinces out there that uh, believe everything happens in Ontario, but we we want to ensure everybody across the country that um, you're welcome, and we're catering to uh, all associations and, and uh, companies across the country. In saying that, we're bilingual. Um, we actually we have translators, so if someone comes from the deeper part of Quebec that may be hesitant because of the language barrier. We have full bilingualism uh, translation for anyone, and we are growing that section of it from an exhibitor standpoint and from an attendee standpoint, both. We have a number of exhibitors from the Quebec province, as well as many, many, many attendees from Quebec. It's amazing. I want to ask a critical question here. Yeah. Is it the first year that the show's fallen on February 14th? Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm not well, a Valentine's guy. So here's what's going on there. We <laughs> didn't 
Last year we had the show, I believe it was February 16, 17. It, it was just a Thursday, it. Friday. Just missed so, it. Well, we got I don't want to say that, but we got, <laughs> we got some pushback. No, but I'll, before he goes down that road, we got some pushback for having a show on a Friday. Because um, it's Friday before the long weekend. Friday it's before the family day, day weekend. Family, yeah. So we thought, let's go back to our traditional Wednesday, Thursday. The reason we went Thursday, Friday into a long weekend, we thought we might attract more coming into Toronto from the east and the west. Makes maybe sense. spending the weekend in Toronto uh, bringing the wife, bringing the family, and and making a bit of a holiday out of business as well. But we got some um, pushback. We did get pushback. But the crazy part about it is we actually, people after the show were shocked at how well our attendance was on that Friday. Yes. They yeah. were thoroughly impressed going, wow, you know, we can't believe that you attracted that many attendees on a Friday. Because uh, typically Fridays on a trade show are not a strong day. But our, our, that particular Friday was extremely strong. What do you guys contribute that to? You, I'm Fantastic my, show. I, that's what I'm thinking. I said that they wanted to actually go there, attend the show, experience it, and then have a better mindset going into the weekend so then they can continue enjoying their, their weekend. I, I right? agree. And I think, let's be real, it was Friday before a long weekend. And, you know, maybe they do a few hours work in the morning, yeah. go to the trade yeah. show, and... And they're done. They're off and out of there. They're on the high. Two o'clock and, yeah. um, you know, going into a good good long weekend. But going back to Valentine's Day, I did a um, mini um, non-statistical survey, I suppose. 80% of the men loved it, loved it on um, Valentine's Day. Okay. Wait, has it been on Valentine's Day before? No. No, this is the first no, time. But just in talking. So when did you just did that survey recently? Yeah, I, I I just did a, a verbal. Was that at a bar? A few people. <laughs> did any women attend? I'm <laughs> 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 just trying to get a figure out like the focus group here. <laughs> How did that go? Well, 100 percent of the single women said it was great. <laughs> we don't mind. Yeah. No, it's just interesting, but I think you're still going to get a good turnout out of, out of it because you go to the show during the day, and now they're back on that high. Yeah, that's true. what oh, I think. There's a lot of great know restaurants what? in the area. Yeah. I never thought of it that I way. I think they're going to be on awesome. a high. So then all of a sudden they'll have a nice evening, right? And then they'll have a nice weekend from there. I That's my thought process. I haven't done an official survey. No. <laughs> I do remember, the, was it the first year that you guys had the snowstorm? And then the second year was the ice storm? It was like back-to-back -back Mother Nature was just knocking you guys down so john and i on the first year we're already nervous as all hell because this is the first year show we, we're thinking we might open the doors nobody shows up yeah, yeah. we have exhibitors but do we have attendees anyway we um it took us an hour to get to the international center which should have been a 10 minute ride we arrived at eight fifty nine. the show was opening at nine talk about sweating in a snowstorm like we were and you know the, the chaos that was going on Anyway, we, we got the doors open at 9 o'clock, and uh, thank goodness for the team that we have on site, uh, Connexus Registration. They're awesome. And our, and our own staff, they beat us there. Um, it, it was great. We opened the doors, and wow, there was people. People were and waiting to get in. And the feedback, now we're waiting for the feedback. Is this too small? Is it enough? And the feedback was phenomenal. It was really, we were shocked. Absolutely shocked and kind of, you know, over the moon that this was being very well received, not only by the exhibitors, but by the attendees, because if the attendees aren't impressed, they're not coming back. Nope. But so, ag But again, being ignorant in this whole thing, not knowing much about anything, 
at the International Center, there's the room up top where Stuart would, it's like the captain's chair and there's a big window and you kind of kind of oversee. And I'd go up there and he's got this big smile. Well, when the boss is smiling, typically you know you've done all right. So he, and I knew at that point, but to me, I didn't know good trade show, not a good trade show. I don't know anything what about expect. this. And my nature is I try to get around to every exhibitor and, and meet them all personally because you talk to them mostly through email, yep. on the phone. But I really prided myself in getting to know them on a personal level the best I could. I still continue to try to do that as it grows. It's getting more difficult. Um, bringing my son a little bit into the fold. He's 15. He comes to the event. I have pictures on specific equipment where, you know, six years ago he was, uh, you know, nine years old on a small that's piece funny. of equipment. Now he's taking that same picture on that same piece of equipment. And that's awesome because that means the exhibitors are coming back every year. It's, it's steady. We're seeing the same. Our return of existing exhibitors from year to year is very strong. Um, but, yeah, we actually stayed in a B&B. We did. We didn't. Airbnb. And Airbnb our first year. I could hear the ice pellets banging off the window all night. And, uh, yeah, that was a very treacherous drive in in the morning. And as Stuart said, we didn't know what we were going to arrive to. But here we are, you know, this many years later. And, yes, we battled a snowstorm, which was but it's a Canadian Concrete Expo. Yeah. What would it And mean? we were in January. It's we were running like a you show guys were in January for it, too. Right? Well, no, yeah. no, I mean like and you planned it. You wanted the snow to be there because it's Yeah, Canadian, we wanted right? the snow, Manny. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to take the negative into a positive. That's I, all I'm trying I to do. You Why are. wouldn't you have snow at you the know, Canadian Concrete Expo r- show? Right? Right? <laughs> Especially for our American exhibitors. They're like, well, we're never coming back. What do you back. expect? Yeah. Oh, no. People actually drive here in the snow, and they did. <laughs> Well, you especially know, the ones from California, they could people drive people guess, driving this stuff. Yes, oh don't. yeah, without chains. Yeah, without chains. <laughs> yeah. No, but that is a key component of it for sure. It's and, part of it. And we found out that we had a May show coming out of COVID. We had a May uh, show, and and the exhibitors setting up and attend, you know, all that sort of stuff was good, but our attendance was not quite as strong. Of course, we have to have a January February event there's no question the contractors are not near as busy job sites are it's the ideal time yeah it is i i I mean i know there's a lot of uh gcs and and uh concrete contractors that are almost going 12 months a year but it's definitely the slowest time for sure it is and it allows them enough advance to if they're purchasing new equipment or looking to change suppliers it's education it's it's good yeah, yeah they want to rework or retool their business right it's a perfect Absolutely. time to do it right yeah yeah for the first three years we were only two weeks after the world of concrete and one one of those years we were two weeks prior before so yeah. world of concrete sets their dates and then we kind of uh, piece in where where we can because we certainly don't want to land on top of them that would not be uh, good because we have so much crossover on our exhibitors listen both shows are good but what i like about your show it's more intimate and i get to the point where it's like i could have more conversations with people whether they're exhibitors or just people that you cross paths with in the, in the hallways, I can have longer, more fruitful conversations than I can at the World of Concrete because I think it's just so monstrous that you got to pick and choose who you're going to kind of cross paths so with. It's a wonderful show. I did attend it in 2016, and that's where I kind of said, okay, 
let's move into the uh, concrete construction industry. I think there's room in the market, but you're right about that, Manny. Um, you see a lot more familiar faces yep. at CCE than you would at the World of Concrete. Some of the medium players out there, they may go to the World of Concrete and they're very small fish in a big bowl. They come to our show and, you know, they they get treated uh, the way they want to be treated. And, um, and, and But they're and, focused, right, Stuart? I mean, when you go to Vegas, there's a lot of distractions. Yep. And how much time are they spending? If you care about how a structure is built, <laughs> there's a lot of it. The first time I was ever in Vegas, I would just study the structures. I would walk around and just see buildings and see all kinds of right. Slot machines like, in the this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. <laughs> Need to change this. Second time you go, okay, all right, enough with the cards. I don't want to deal with the cards anymore. <laughs> then you get into the vices at that point. But that's a that's whole right. other Vegas story. So that takes three trips, Manny. <laughs> So, so I think the my thirtieth trip. Yeah. So I think the focus stays right. I mean, not that you can't have fun in Toronto. The one advantage to having the show in May was, I don't know if Toronto was playing at that time or not. Typically, they're not playing hockey in May, but they never do. Wow, well, <laughs> it's been a few decades. <laughs> no, but there, uh, anyways, there was. We've had. I think they did last year. Did they? They might have had one uh, game in May. Do okay. they? Do, does anybody know about you guys in the hockey thing? Or no, uh, you guys don't want to share that. No. Uh, Oh, the we've had a rival, rivalry since the day we met. Johnny's a big Habs fan, and Sorry. I um, I was no born, born in Toronto and have been a Leafs and Jays fan my whole life. And that Jays game the other night, oh boy, that was uh, something. I mean, I think they're taking on the mantra of the Leafs. They, they uh, make the playoffs but can't seem to get through the first round. So yeah. everyone's chiming in right now as they're listening. They're just chiming in on their t- – they're talking to the radios right now is what's going <laughs> yeah. on. They want to be a part of the conversation. But I was asking about the attendees and, and just the intimacy regarding the two shows is because I find that I've been going to shows for 12, 13 years now, and I've been in construction 15 years, right? And I just – I never took the mindset of what I see a lot of the young trades come into shows to where they're very nervous about approaching anybody and speaking to anybody. And I just always had the mindset of, I've got a question. I want to ask something. I want to learn something. But I see this younger generation of trades being reserved with asking. And how do you guys encourage attendees to kind of just get out there? Just ask. Put your hand up. I'll take a piece of this one. Yeah. This one section. Of yeah, this. absolutely. Because it's, it's great that you asked this question. I think when we started this show in 2018... Um, exhibitors were not really thrilled to have students. There was probably, they wanted a student time frame and they wanted to know when the students were going to be coming through so that they could maybe, their booth didn't have the top people in it. Really? Yeah, because they didn't want to waste their time speaking to a student that wasn't going to buy their piece of equipment or it was going to just fall on deaf ears. One day they will. Well, no, it's that's what's happened. Yeah. Starting last year, and Stuart can build on this in a minute with some of the things. Definitely post-COVID, it changed. It changed. So now, now they're asking us to please bring the students because there's such a lack of skills trade. Please bring the young people. And so Stuart and Rod have worked immensely hard hours to attract schools, universities, colleges, busloads to come to the show with these new and upcoming. Because that student of today... Could be running that piece of equipment yeah. three, four years from now. Yeah. And for whatever reason, I don't know if we've dropped the educational ball from a federal or a provincial level about 
kind of teaching or pushing skilled trades or even labor, labor intensive jobs. But the, the younger generation just seems to me that they don't either, they haven't been exposed to it or they just have no interest in, in, in the trades and in construction. Um, and I don't know what that is, but I think we need to be re-educating. I know there's a lot of initiatives going on out there, and I think um, the associations, the industries realize it, that they've got to get involved and, and make that push. So we are trying to do our job as a uh, national show to kind of instigate or provide opportunities for students, like Johnny said, uh, college um, you know, grade 11, grade 12 to attend the show and get introduced to the basically construction industry if they have not already. Skills Ontario brought in a their uh, van unit and it's got the slide outs. Yep. And you walk through and everything from a welding gun. Yeah, I remember to, that. Yeah, and you, the, the um, simulations. The my PPE, s- they had the cabinets, they had everything. My there, son yeah. went through that and yeah. he was just, you know, you can be running the payloader or you can be, you know, mixing the concrete, all these sorts of things. And it introduces the, the, uh, I think they would, if they would reduce the amount of so-called rules, uh, like the one-on-one, the red seal, their apprenticeship, if like, if, if they open that up more, I think you would get more kids coming in because then they would see more opportunity out there. But I think it's further than that coming from that industry. I'm a, I took my apprenticeship yeah. as a tool and die, a mold yeah. maker in 1988. But I think where it started was my parents. They encouraged me. And actually, the stigmatism back then was worse. Worse. Much worse. Yeah. You were considered not intelligent. Uh, you were just taking your apprenticeship program. You weren't going to make it in college or university anyway, so go that route. That was the mentality. Uh, we were farmers. It was a vision my dad had, work on the farm, become a toolmaker. And I worked my way through. So you don't have the parents talking to their children or young adults about skills trades. That's you, you have both sides, eh, John. Like, the, it's good that it's refreshing to hear you say that you're encouraging your son to actually get 100%. into it. But you get a lot of people that are in construction not encouraging their kids because they don't want to go through what we went through: cold winters, working hard, and all, and getting dirty. They don't want them to go through that stuff. But I think they're just painting the wrong image of it. Not necessarily a negative image of it. They're just not painting all the positivity that's beside it. And I think that's what's happening is that you're getting maybe a mixed bag, maybe even 50-50 parents. And I see a lot of the younger trades right now that have little ones and they get them on the job site. And sure, of course, they might be doing this or that. I mean, I, I saw a video recently where I saw he had to have been maybe eight or nine years old and he was uh, screening concrete on a little walk path and he was being supervised by his dad, which is great. But there's a little kid that's getting excited about actually shaping concrete and putting it all together. And But you're getting... I want to see this younger generation with the young kids right now, 10, maybe 15 years old. I think that they're pushing it more than their parents were pushing it. I think with, between you and, and the other parents of, of your same age, sure. I think 50% of them were saying no and 50% were saying yes. I think now we're getting the younger ones, the young kids, maybe it's more than 50% saying yes. And that's where this, the, the trade show comes in is they can bring their young, you know, 14. What I love about the trade show is that construction's so open. It's not just about, am I going to swing a hammer? That's my job. Mm-hmm. That's my career. 
No, you got to understand that there's machinery, there's also management, there's supervision, there's also engineering, there's all kinds of, there's so many different levels that you can get into, and you don't know those levels. And unless so much room to grow. I mean, you, you look yeah. at uh, leaders of a lot of these uh, uh, G GCs out there, and they started at the uh, ground level yep. and worked their way up. And it, they didn't need to have a master's. They didn't need to have a university education. It was all about their ability, their drive, their motivation, passion. And that's what got them to the top. It wasn't, it wasn't a degree or a diploma. But they yeah. built, yeah, they built a solid brand and it kept Absolutely. on growing. But I think the younger trades have a hard time understanding that that person, it wasn't given to them. Right. Yes. Like, for the most part, I don't think it was given to them. I think that a lot of corporations have built themselves so big that they their family and they've kind of worked into it and then they continue the growth of that business but it literally got started by swinging a hammer mm -hmm. right so it's like if you worked hard you built this brand why can't you as a tradesperson have a very successful career and you're making six figures i mean this has been spoken about on the show several times where you're not making five figures you're making six figures and you can grow it from that point and that's not the norm these days in any other like most careers out there most fortune 500 companies a lot of uh I know that my generation, we kind of pushed our kids for university, et cetera. And I think it might have been a little bit backfiring on us because we set our kids up. Not everybody graduating university gets jobs. They, and um, it's changing now. But for 10, 15 years, a lot of people would be educated as a nurse, as a teacher. They never worked in the industry because there was no jobs to be had. And, and I think uh, construction, really, if, you, if you're a go-getter and you want to climb and move, there's so many opportunities and you don't have to wait a lifetime to uh, get to where you want to be. Um, and, and a lot of the Fortune 500 companies, you get stalemated at a certain mid-management position and you're not going any higher. That's and then when you hit 55, they boot you out the door. That's why I'm self-employed, so nobody's booting me out the door. Okay. I got to be careful, but anyhow. <laughs> you're trying to figure out how to boot yourself out the door. That's what you're working on. I mean, you got to look at the landscape. I mean, we have a lot of cranes in the air. If we got a lot of cranes in the air, then there's a lot of work going on. In fact, the last show, I was talking to a lot of the attendees that were, attended the event, and they said when they were flying into Toronto, they could not believe, believe the amount of cranes that they seen when they were coming into Pearson Airport. And to them, that's money in the bank. Like. Yep. So there's a lot of exciting things happening, and not just in Toronto. There's other large cities in Canada that are growing. Um, when I was out in Moncton, speaking to the uh, Ready Mix producers from Nova Scotia, from all those eastern provinces, they're booming. A lot of very good things happening in the industry. So exciting. But as we just said, and not to go down that road again, the, the theme of every conversation is I could build 30 houses right now, but I don't have the crew. Yep. They don't have the personnel don't have the people so we're trying to you know enhance that piece of our show to attract uh these ind young individuals to say that how are you guys getting the message out there to like to the actual younger trades you guys i guess you're getting on social media you're sharing it and obviously you're getting on a show like this well, and sharing it some of the government individuals that have actually come to us uh, somebody from the ndp government had approached us um we're even getting noise through the government for them to uh take note and latch on to us and offering other programs, Skills Ontario, there's yep. various, some of the unions, uh, Carpenters Union, these sorts of things are exhibiting with us. They want to attract people into their, their uh, you know, 
establishments. So we don't have programs in place at our office to train and and bring uh, young people into the industry. But we, like John said, we latch on with someone like Skills Ontario, yep. Skills Canada, provide them with complimentary space, get their um, their uh, truck out to the show, promote them heavily that they will be attended, provide them with an opportunity to speak to all of the contractors that are at the show. And so that's really what we do. We kind of provide and partner with these um, organizations to, to give them added exposure that they might not normally get. And we encourage them to bring students out to the show. The first three years we ran the show, we had a under, uh, it was 19 plus to get in. So we were not in the business of bringing students out to the show, but we, we listen and we've adapted and we've changed. And uh, now we, we encourage them to come to the show. We want them to register first. And we don't want it to be a pandemonium on the show floor with too many students that are kind of overtaking the floor because, let's face it, at the end of the day, people only have two days to do business there yeah. and, and make their contacts. So we, want, we encourage the students to come out with, with a teacher or a professor, whatever that may be. Well, come out with a plan, though. Like, yeah. Actually, figure out your agenda. Like, right. if you want to come up for the two yes. days, yes. figure out who you want to maybe look online and figure out who do I, my top 10 that I want to go speak to, that I want to go see, ask a question of, right? I, I think if they come with that kind of mindset, then they'll have a much better experience, right? Because I look at your show like a vision board for them. They're walking in and they're like, this is what's in front of me. And what's my possibility that I can actually get into this industry with? Well, we're, we're talking, we have ideas for the future. If this continues to grow, we're having. If. <laughs> when it continues to grow. <laughs> uh, not the show, but the students. Ah. As the, if that piece of it continues to grow. Actually having walkthroughs with guided um, personnel. Oh. And that way it's a set time. Let's say between one and three, there'll be. Uh, this group and they'll sit in a conference ahead of time and get educated in a conference. I like that. And then the next piece is we brought back our large equipment demos and that can lead into that as well. They don't only get to see the equipment, they can hear it run, they can see it work. We have a large facility indoors. As Stuart said, we in 2018, 19 and 2020 had uh, large equipment demos. And when somebody hears that, they think, oh, what am I going to see a machine out there going through pylons? No, actually have live concrete pours. Um, Lafarge did a big one between an aggregate and an agilia pour. I remember that. First year and the difference. And there's still videos online to see that. Uh, There was a demand. People started asking us at the last show, when are you going to bring that back? So as a team, we sat down, we talked about it, and we felt. So we got some interesting things that are going to be happening again. And I don't know if it'd be fair to talk about them yet, but uh, we do have some exciting. You guys are spinning wheels. You're you're figuring out what, the industry, like the industry's asking for. Yeah, and, and we've been approached by... We're always trying to evolve, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and we're taking the feedback, we're listening to the attendees, we're listening to our exhibitors. What do we need to do to be more successful, to make your experience here a success, um, not only from exhibiting, but from attending? And so we're always trying to change and not have the same product every year because, let's face it, it could get a little stale, but we're growing at about 25% a year. I mean, we, after that first year, 
we grew uh, 100% into the second year. It doubled. Wow. And the growth continues on at about 20, 20%, so 25% average from day one, which is pretty phenomenal for this industry, for a trade show industry. I don't like bringing up the C word all that much, but you guys did go through a couple of bad years with COVID. And how is that experience, especially you guys starting up and getting started well and then being well received and then all of a sudden just as you got your stride going you know the world happens and then now you can't have a show you can't be interactive you can't do all these things that must have been tough for you guys but then coming out of it that must have been an experience yeah it was super tough and it wasn't just tough on us there's many industries and people that found it wicked out there and, uh, you know, thankfully we're moving on and hopefully we never go back there again. But a lot of our industry went to virtual trade shows and I decided that, no, let's not do virtual trade shows. What if they work? Then everybody can do a trade show, right? There's no barriers to entry. Right now the bar- there's massive barriers to entry on starting a, a new trade show. So I thought, no, let's not feed into this um, new system let's just see how it goes so we started a magazine instead that kind of kept our exhibitors and our attendees connected we called it stay connected very um ingenious right <laughs> your idea <laughs> all stewards i have to take credit <laughs> is it still sadly going? it's still going uh we found we kept it going right up until a couple months ago Okay. So now we just produce a show guide and the follow-up issue that goes with it. But it served its purpose. The exhibitors, they were advertising with us. We had great editorial in there. We were putting it out about every five weeks. It did keep everybody connected through COVID. And uh, we realized that the exhibitors really, they don't want to be in, whether it be print or digital, uh, with us anyway. Once we got back to the trade shows, they wanted their booth space, sponsorships, and kind of go back to the way it was. They want to shake hands. And so we, did, we stopped pushing the uh, magazine. But um, it, it was really good. It was a nice fill-in for us. But... And, and the first show back was May of 2022. We thought, oh, my God, what are we doing? We've got a construction show in the middle of May. And the exhibitors, they basically said to us, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's try this. And it, it turned out to be a, f- a fairly good event, not a great ad- event from an attendance standpoint because it was two beautiful days in Toronto in the middle of May, and the construction sites were hopping. <laughs> Nobody but, wanted uh, to leave. We couldn't have had a rainstorm or a no, massive thunderstorm. No. no, we couldn't have got that. That was Mother Nature telling you to go back to February. Yeah, yeah. say That's go back to the was. snowstorms. You don't yeah. do well in 90 we'll degrees We'll bring the snow and you guys bring the right? show. That's yeah. as simple as that. But what I realized, I've been in this industry for 33 years and, and doing mainly home shows, boat shows, RV shows, etc. I found that even on rainy days in you know March and April, um, you would think that people might not come out, but the or, or even sunny days for that matter. But the ones that always need something for their house, whether they need a new boat, RV, or even a new piece of equipment at the CCE, they attend the show. So the ones that you miss are the ones that are interested, but maybe are not there to really purchase something. So um, what you end up is getting lower attendance, but higher quality of attendees. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's been a theme of our show from the beginning, though. A theme of our show has been the quality, the quality of the attendee. 
you know, and we're never going to sit here and say we have 30 or 40,000 to this day go through the event. But we, what, what I can say is the people that come through the door are very qualified. There's, per, there's purpose behind the 100%. person that's there, right? And, I, and I, it, your exhibitors appreciate that. Yeah. I w- I'd love to ask you guys if you guys could remember since it started to what you think next year is going to be about. What was the core messaging for every year? What did you guys learn at each year point? I mean, I guess the first year coming out of the gate, you guys realize, okay, there's a market for this. People are actually interested in this stuff. How did that feel the other years? What was like? What was the message that you guys took away from each year after it was completed? Well, number one was kind of elation after every show. Hey, we live for another year. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and 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 we just like we spoke about before, Manny. We just continue to uh, take feedback for that first six weeks after the show from from basically the attending group and the exhibiting group. And, uh, you know, figure out what we may have tried that didn't work. We usually know. We don't need to be told. But we keep trying. (laughs) Don't bring it up again. Right. Leave it quiet. We got it. We all heard it. We got it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So um, just taking feedback and, and being a small company, we can turn on a dime. We are not set like a lot of uh, the larger conglomerates, whether it's this industry or any other, they can't turn on a dime and make decisions that are going to be affecting their customers tomorrow. We can do that. And if we realize we've done something that didn't work, we eliminate it, we move on. Do we have new ideas? Yes. These people are saying this, they're saying this. Let's incorporate some of these new ideas that we want to do for the next year's show. So we don't have an overall plan two, three, five years down the road. I personally think those are nice, but um, I don't know how you do uh, like a 10-year forecast. I really don't. You can't. Right? Because you have to go with the industry as it's evolving. Right. Absolutely. And um, we've been very fortunate that we've seen positive results at every show and we continue to grow and uh, we continue to evolve and just keep massaging the, the product. But I think for me to build on what you're saying is he mentioned Stuart's been in this for 33 years. I haven't. So again, I go back to, you know, what does a good trade show look like? And there's moments in time when you, I remember our first exhibitor, we were talking about this on the way up, the first check that came into the mail, who it was. And uh, it's those moments, you know, that you get some feel good. And uh, in 20, the last show in in, in 2023, uh, there's a stage area on the shop or on the floor. And it was later on, was after everything was set up, we were getting ready for open up the next morning. Stuart and I sat on the stage and he says, now this is a trade show. And when you hear that from a guy that's been doing this for, for 33 decades. years, yeah, wow, it just, I get chills right now. Like, yeah, literally, yeah, you know, it makes sense. And that's the drive for me. That's the drive for me to keep growing this. Is there an underlying for me a little bit to prove? It's kind of like the puffer fish at the bottom of the sea. Mm-hmm. You know, you're this little thing and you want people to recognize you. And it's driven me to this point and just keep going and going and going. But there's pride in it. There's pride in what we're trying to do. The belief is there was a lot of non-believers. We didn't even have an association that would believe in us in the beginning. Now they're approaching us. All these things that drive you. You know, other competitors trying to manipulate their dates to us and change things to try and make it more difficult for us. 
that's when you know you're starting to do the right things. When you hear the exhibitors tell you, keep it going, love what you're doing, you know. But it's I, just like construction. I'm sure that you guys got a lot of naysayers in the beginning, just like this is not going to succeed and you're probably hearing it. And but you guys weren't listening to it. But it's just like construction where it's like you go on your own. You want to start your own business. You want to build a brand. And in the beginning, everyone's like, why don't you stay put, stay safe, safe, secure. Just leave it at that. The market's already full. You don't need to do this. Don't do this. There's no reason to do this. But you guys found several reasons to do this. And you've proven it now. You have to, if, if you're going to move out on your own, you, you've got to um, just stop one day and say, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to do that next year. I'm going to, because those days never come if you operate like that. You have to kind of jump in with both feet one day and say, today is the day. I'm going. Um, you know, whether you continue with your current job or you're building the other, I don't know. But uh, that's what we did. We jumped in with both feet. Uh, it was a huge financial risk. And we just pounded it out, basically on the phones from Bell River, Ontario. And uh, there was a lot of stress. And there is a lot of stress in building a new product, a uh, new business, anything. But the rewards are, you know, they're astronomical um, if you can pull it off. I've like I said, I've been in the industry 33 years. I've had some duds, and there is nothing worse than sitting through a show for two or three days where nobody is coming in. There's no worse feeling on the planet. I can't think of one because every exhibitor is coming to you saying, where the hell are all the people? Where's the people? You, you sit. I'm like, oh, man, I did my best. I spent every penny I had on advertising. I don't know where the people are. Maybe we, uh, made, I made a mistake on uh, you know, this market etc. Well, the good so, thing about your show is that I remember it is when you get to the end of the day and you realize it's the end of the day. So you've spent all that time educating yourself, experiencing, having conversations. And before you realize it, doors are being closed. Things are wrapping up. People are covering uh, a booth apart, you know, and all kinds of stuff like that. You realize I just spent the entire day here. Right. Which, and you always see that. I've always, and I like that. And then you're literally carrying the conversation as you're walking out as things security is closing things up yeah. that's when you know you've got a good show that you have a good opportunity to be there right true enough true enough so i've seen that a lot of times with you guys right so i actually totally forgot to tell everybody i don't even know that people know that we're going to be there recording shows yes right so we i know that rod hasn't given me a booth yet we're trying to figure out where we're going to be because i wanted to talk about a little bit about the floor plan how you guys lay it all out right and who goes where and who gets this spot and that's how, how do you guys design that whole floor plan? Well, I know a lot of other shows segregate yes. softwares and equipment. Um, we find that sometimes someone that's coming spef specifically for software, we'll say, goes to only the software pavilion or area. And then they don't make it to other areas of the show. So we really don't, say this is going to be this area, this is going to be that area. We're not there yet. Maybe down the road as we continue to grow, that may present itself. Um, but we just feel that for now, the size of our event, that it's a good feel. We do a first right of refusal on booth space. So someone that's been with us for since the beginning continues to secure their place Family. as long as they want. Relationships. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, if they if they choose to step away, then they lose that spot. So... That's kind of how we lay it out. We give them about six or seven weeks after the show to make a decision to rebook in the same space. 
And aren't you that, guys exhausted after the show's done? Like I know? am, but this is where John kicks in. Okay, I'm fishing. So the late, the, the, <laughs> it doesn't end. As soon as the show ends, it doesn't end. It, can, it keeps on going. No, right? no. We have six people full time that work on concrete show only. Fishing? And You're not fishing in Kent? No. Ice it? No. When the show's done? Um, I keep my boat on the lift all year round. And if I can go out and there's no ice, I will go out whenever I can. That is smart, man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so sorry, a little segue there. <laughs> Back to the floor plan. <laughs> no, but I'm going to actually add something on that because when Stuart said about six people, and I got to get this in there, um, but uh, Stuart came to me after the 2020 show. That was a big year for us, 2020. Okay. Actually, maybe it was just 2019. Before, 2019. Came to me and, and said, I think we need to hire someone in the office. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I've got a wonderful lady who's worked as my office manager for 33 years. And she was not prepared to kind of take on this evolving beast of CCE. After a couple of years, she goes, you know what? My heart is just not in building something again. I like doing all the home shows, boat shows, etc. I know all the customers. It's great. So I said, John, we got to hire a new um, show coordinator. And I said, I've been thinking about it a lot. And I said, you know who would replace Barb really well is your wife, Sue. I said, I think she would be great. Sue was working in the dental industry. But I I was trying to just envision this wonderful telephone voice that gave great, like, excellent customer service and cared about everybody that called. And and I brought it up to John. I said, your wife, Sue, would be fabulous in this position. I can't say said, I agree what? totally with that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I think we got to go home and talk about that a little bit. Anyway, Sue came on board. Yeah. And, and it, it worked out. Been, it worked out. Yeah, she's fabulous. So just and another- we keep John in a remote office. So he does not come <laughs> into the office every day. So we don't have to listen to marital issues, and um, <laughs> it, it's wonderful. It's, it's worked out. The uh, synergies are really good. It's worked out for CCE, but we're not exactly sure how it's worked out for... It's been actually... Uh, to it's build, been great. It, it is. It's been fabulous, because okay. when i you know frustrated with things, she understands, or from her end. It, it actually has worked. It's worked yeah. itself out. Yeah. You know, but we've learned to work with that, too. But every piece of every employee brings that element. That's all. Everybody is wonderful in fitting in, the six of us. You know, you couldn't have tried to select from a bank of people to try and put this together. And then when we went through the COVID, how, yes, it was difficult, but we were able to navigate that as a family. We always do. We're like a family. You know, it's it's a journey that's, I would have never imagined 20 plus years ago working for Stuart Galloway, you know, at the gym, seeing him every day. And that's a unique story too. You know, how that went about, um, I was working out every morning, 6 a.m., and I'd see this guy. And I'm pretty wired in the morning, and I'm in there changing. All day. <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he said, tone it down. He, he come around the corner in the separate locker area, and he says, man, I don't know what you sell for a living or what you're involved in, but if I was looking to hire somebody, I'd hire you an instant. And then 15 years after the fact, it came around. And uh, here we are today. Was it an easy move for you to just leave the online? I was going through a big transition okay. in my own yeah. life at the time, and uh, I wasn't sure. I actually went back on the tool shop floor, and I was just running a machine, going through some things, and Stuart approached me, and I was doing both. Was it Trailblade Trail? What was the road you lived on in Bell River? Oh, traditional trail. Traditional trail. 
And I would go there uh, from about 9 in the morning to 2.30 in the afternoon. I'd leave there and I'd go work at the tool shop. And I'd work from 3 in the afternoon till 2, 3 in the morning. And then I would come again and I did that for the first... Three months three, at least. Three or four months. And then Stuart says, why don't you give that tool shop up? And I heed and hawed. And anyways, we come to an agreement. And uh, after the first year, I knew it was the right fit for me. Not only that, Stuart's great to work for. The versatility, like we had talked, we opened the show with my son's in a hockey tournament. And uh, it's a big year for him and this. And he, he doesn't question that, you know. The floor plan is all he looks at. And if there's big gaping holes come February 13th, I've got a big problem. And it's not Valentine's Day. <laughs> that has never happened yet. John is the... Uh, it won't happen. John does the job of four people and probably gets paid for like eight people. So everything's good. So everyone that's not watching the show and they're just listening, it's pretty impressive that you two young gentlemen in your early 30s here have pulled <laughs> off so much and contributing so much to the construction industry. You know, you guys have been in the game for a while, right? Like you guys yeah. kind of understand how yeah. this all works. but It was in the trenches, though, Manny. It was in the trenches. We did the old school mentality. Which Stuart actually bought a RV and wrapped it as the Canadian concrete wrap. And it was an image of the show floor from 2018. And we wrapped this. And we would go out to functions with this. But we would go visit the potential. Not They weren't exhibitors yet. They were potential exhibitors. We'd set appointments. Stuart and I'd pack up our little bag and we'd knock on the door. And we'd go sit with key potential exhibitors and that's where it started and we still do that today and i guess that's where starting this my sales because i ventured from 88 89 as a tool maker i got into the sales side of it i built my career in the automotive industry door to door and Stuart didn't have to instill that in me it's still today door to door still going to exhibitors whether it's new brunswick bc and seeing them on an if on a maybe yeah it's not we got the deal, Stuart. I'm just going to schmooze them. No, it's a maybe. Stuart's done it. He went out and visited. You know, our first year, we had a tremendously large batch plant that was set up. It was crazy to see this thing. We just stood back in awe. The following year, and they're not back with us. They sold the company, and they, but he's been out to see them, you know, even though they're not part of our show anymore. You bring it back, family. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I, what's the old saying that if it's still a maybe, it's never a no? Right, so yeah. it's just you got to keep on going until you. It would have been a shame if well, you guys John's gave it up. Well, John's theory is if it's if it's a no, it's still not a no. Yeah, yeah. you don't find that very often. <laughs> how do you turn a, how do you turn a no into a yes at that point when it's a no at that point? Because I'll study that company and find it how to be a yes. I can find something in their product line that does fit into our show, and yeah. I'll I'll present that to them and say this over here might not be exactly what you're looking for, but here, here, and here is. Or we start to develop our show. If I start to see a lot of no's in a certain area, what can we create at the show to make those no's yeses? That's the other key component. Like the telehandler recertification, like the high lift mass things, that's going to attract maybe who we weren't attracting before. And we create those no's to be yeses in the future. It's a good show. I'm just looking over the notes here. I think we've covered quite a bunch of i mean are we missing anything no what do you mean no what do you do? no well, <laughs> i think we've got it all I'm just i think to, it was a great show no i think it, i i totally i'm looking at everything i know that we were given some notes here and it's not like cheat notes or anything like that but i think yeah, we yeah. covered quite a bit i think the bottom line is that if you're listening it's a show if you haven't been go and if you have been you're going to go to discover something new 
I totally think that you will. Because, I mean, I was there last year. I wasn't there the year before because that was all the funniness that was going on still. Yeah. And I stayed away. I even stayed away from the shows in Vegas and Orlando or whatever. Yeah. Like, it just didn't make any sense for me at that point. And it was just conversations that were happening, I guess, over the online. Everybody was mm -hmm. dealing with online inquiries instead of being but it was good to have people come back now and i think that last year you it was a great sign because we weren't sure what was going to happen after. uh post covid and i think what it proved to us is people still want face-to-face -face yeah. interaction yeah they want to look touch feel and then talk to a person about that product service or piece of equipment and they want to be comfortable with the with the relationship they're building before they buy as well it's not always the equipment it, it's the people that connect and so i think the industry is looking good for the future not just our show but the entire industry yeah. because people people as are creatures that 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 need interaction and uh, without it oh we already saw what happened but uh people don't want to go down that road and um Things are looking bright for the future. I do want to say one last thing before I am going to get you guys to do the 12 questions of construction because we do this at the end of the show. I know you guys don't pay attention to any of that stuff. But oh, boy. Don't Can worry. They're not right or wrong questions. <laughs> but I do want to say that I have a huge amount of respect for any exhibitor because the amount of sweat equity and work that is involved to set up that booth that in all fairness as an attendee and i'm asking questions i'm respectful of their time because they're seeing hundreds if not thousands of people and they're going through and that booth doesn't matter if it's a small booth or a big booth there's a lot of work involved absolutely there's a huge amount of work for a small business big business to get people out there to to have all the paperwork to have the presentation to have just the the, the energy for the most mm -hmm. part they have a lot of energy and they just got to keep on building up that energy to have the conversation so a huge amount of respect for all the but you guys facilitate that you guys get all those people out there and having all that energy in there so then you, it's easier to, for the first half of the first day it's a lot easier it's a lot harder on the back end on the second day where it's like well we still need to Pull, pull our trenches and just keep on going, yes. right? Yes. So huge amount of respect for them. So you guys, well, and again, sorry? I just wanted to say, uh, I think that we've got a partnership this year with Construction Life and Manny, and we're super excited to be on board and be here today. It's been a great I just look forward to for our us. conference calls. That's all I do. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise. Can you get them on Likewise. the phone? Do I get them on the phone? <laughs> yeah. No. I, uh, did I get you on the phone? Uh, yes, once. I called you yesterday. Once. Yes, 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 I got him on the phone once. You better mark that down. We calendar, talked about okay. golf. We talked about we talked about everything but construction. <laughs> and I did pick out a location for you. Okay, at awesome. the show. Perfect. And uh, we can go over it after we. Yeah, um, we'll figure it out, and we'll just let everybody know as we get closer. Absolutely. Obviously, this show is dropping October twenty first, so that's when everybody will get this show and they can yeah. get the sense of it. And uh, and then we can figure out getting the tickets, and people can sign up and register and get all that jazz going on from there right yeah we don't open our registration till november 15th okay. and that that's when we'll have all our conferences in place so this shows just for pure entertainment that's this all is, is. entertainment only and john and i had nothing better to do on a friday before thanksgiving weekend than drive to uh, hamilton and you know we got a thanks to good chance to Appreciate catch it. up <laughs> again my kid could be scoring goals left right and center right now chances are not. february 14th oh, february 15th of 2024 check it out so you guys ready for this 12 questions yeah oh yeah fire yeah. away what everyday sound brings you joy fish jumping 
The hit of a hockey puck against the boards. What's your favorite beverage? Iced tea. Wow. <laughs> BCAs and water. Least favorite tool? Hammer. Knife. What turns you on creatively? Smell of concrete. Wow. Mm, it does oh. have a nice smell. It does. It does have a nice smell. Evenings in the office. Quiet. It's never there. (laughs) I haven't been creative for a long time. (laughs) What word or concept do you guys find overused? I say it all the time. Fabulous. Fabulous. (laughs) Don't worry about it. What's your favorite curse word? Jeez. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) What's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Any mode of transportation? YZ250. I have the same bike, so but I'm going to pick uh, uh, Yamaha Wave Runner 1800 GP. Mm. What do you guys miss from your childhood? Lack of pressure. No responsibility. What term or phrase resonates with who you are? Driven. Strength. If you could master, master a skill outside of your own expertise, what would it be? Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Bo- I could see that. Boxing. Boxing. You guys are never leaving the gym, eh? <laughs> 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 if you could speak to an historical figure, who would it be and what would you ask? It used to be Justin Trudeau, but not anymore. Any, um, hopefully, no, forget it. <laughs> I liked his dad, Pierre Trudeau. I'm going to say Rocket Richard and um, just want to know his perseverance, how he persevered through all his troubles. Never really is an answer, is there? It's more of a a drive, right? Yeah, he had drive, man. Watch his biography. Just what he went through. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you guys like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Thank you. About time you fucking made it. (laughs) It's always been reject, 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 rejected, rejected, rejected. Okay, okay this time. Absolutely pleasure having you guys on the show. I'm sure that Kobe will probably have another conversation. Might even want to do another show right before the show happens. That might be an idea. I don't know. You guys up to that as we get closer? We definitely would have more updates, let's say 30 30 days prior to the show. Everything would be in place, and we could talk about uh, the features happening at the show and the conference sessions, et cetera. So to get a hold of the show, to check it out, it's www.canadianconcreteexpo.ca. .com. .com, sorry, .com, and then email. Email uh, john, J-O-N, at exposition.com. And myself, 519-562-4360. And what's the social media handle again? I don't even remember. I think it's Canadian. Oh, Concrete. we are Canadian Concrete Expo on Instagram. LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Facebook. Twitter. Twitter, yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yep. Yeah. That's it, gentlemen. I think we're done. Awesome. Thanks, awesome. man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Angelina Radier.